surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. And welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is your host, Taylor, and I hope that you are having a wonderful week as best that you can and that you're taking some time to check in with yourselves. And I'm super, super happy to have you here in this safe space, <laughs> safe space for all of the things. Today, we are going to have a lovely guest on here to talk all things sex. Surprise, surprise. Uh, so I want to share with you all a little bit about this guest. We're going to have Zoe Ligon on who uh, has has named herself the Dildo Duchess and excited to share with you all a little bit about what's behind that as we'll talk about in this episode. Um, she also just recently released a book uh, called Carnal Knowledge, Sex Education You Didn't Get in School. And y'all, it is fantastic. Okay. I have it um, right at my little table, right next to my couch. It is beautiful. It is well thought out. It is bombfreaking.com. Zoe is a educator and entrepreneur. Uh, She brings a really positive and um, really thoughtful approach to sex. She also, well, sex education, (laughs) probably her sex too, Uh, but she's the CEO of Shop Spectrum Boutique. Uh, That's their Instagram and it is spectrumboutique.com. It is Again, so well done, very visually stimulating. Um, and just we're going to talk about some of the sex toys on her shop. So we'll, we'll get there. Um, but just wanted to introduce y'all to Zoe. Uh, I've been following her for a while now and um, loves just love, love the things that she posts. Uh, so with all of that said, we can get right on into this episode. Again, I hope that you are coming in listening with open ears, open mind, open heart, and let's talk about it. All right. So welcome Zoe to the show. Thank you so much for being here. It's so nice to like kind of finally meet you. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. It's so exciting. So remind me if I'm getting this right, you're based Mm -hmm. in Michigan. Yeah. That is where I live. It's been six years in Detroit. I am an ex-New Yorker, Mm. originally from Maryland. Yeah. I lived in Maryland for like eight years. <laughs> Whoa, I'm from Silver Spring originally. Okay, yeah. I did high school in Anne Arundel County and then I okay. went to Baltimore County for wow. undergrad and then was in Baltimore City for uh, graduate school. So Baltimore is a great city and it also yeah. reminds me of Detroit a lot. We have some similar yeah. issues and a, mm-hmm. a cool downtown waterfront, among other things. Yes. <laughs> Yes. I've never been to Detroit, but I feel like I could see where there would be similarities, like a lot of Mm -hmm. history, a lot of charm, a lot of character, um, a lot of like rawness. That was one of the things I was always like, I love about Baltimore. Like people here are just like, it's like raw. It feels very real. Mm -hmm. Like it's um, very real community. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I grew up in the DC suburbs, so I would be like driving 45 minutes north to like go to the cool DIY parties and stuff and like yeah. drink my first beers. So very <laughs> fond memories. I love when there's a Maryland connection with somebody. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So since we're talking about kind of where we grew up, mm-hmm. uh, I'm curious for you if, you know, you're, you're in the sex space, right? Like you've got the sex shop, you've yeah. got the, the new book. <laughs> um, a lot of the work that you do is in the sex space. And I'm wondering kind of if that was was a part of your upbringing and a very supportive, informative, educational way. Um, mm. I'm always curious for people, like, if they grew up with a lot of negative messages around sex, if, like, their family was very sex positive, and kind of, like, how you got to where you're at now. Absolutely. I grew up in Montgomery County, which uh, is a pretty good school district. And uh, we had one semester of health class and one unit on sexuality, which was very, uh, you know, certainly talked about pregnancy, STIs, et cetera. Um, definitely no focus on pleasure. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's also, I love answering that question because I did grow up with quote unquote, comprehensive sex education. Mm -hmm. So I am a wonderful example of how, even if you have comprehensive sex ed, it really is, the onus is not just on our school system. And even with a school system with sex ed in place, you're still at the discretion of what a particular teacher is comfortable Mm -hmm. actually talking about. Yeah. Not only what they're comfortable with, but also what, what the school district will allow. Um, I had Vagisteam, Vanessa, Vagisteam is like her company and and her Instagram name. And, uh, yeah, she teaches a whole class on like how to teach sex ed without getting fired. (laughs) And it's like, just even that that is a thing is like, even if your teacher wants to really teach comprehensive sex education that includes a focus on pleasure that they could they they're literally risking their jobs in some situations which is just yeah. so disappointing. I think that no matter how good of a sex education you receive if the world around you is not reinforcing that like mm-hmm. what good is it because yeah. I learned I learned a lot more implicit misinformation from movies and I'm not even Mm -hmm. like necessarily just talking about porn but just like concepts of what love and romance look like and Mm -hmm. I think a lot of romance is depicted as like very toxic cycles of abuse quite honestly yeah um I felt comfortable talking to my mom when it came to like sex and period stuff Mm -hmm. uh but that also doesn't mean that like it's even a parent's responsibility because like for instance I was one of those people who thought like I did, I must not have a G spot. I've been having penetrative sex and, you know, uh, never had an orgasm. So uh, clearly a body part is missing. You know, that was how Mm -hmm. that logic worked for me. Yeah. And I just didn't even have the thought to really ask those questions. I really grew up wanting to avoid sex unless I really had to talk about it. I mean, I was having sex from the age of 14, but as far as mm-hmm. actually wanting to have discussions, yeah. not something I was comfortable doing. And a lot of that had to do with having an abusive father. Uh, mm-hmm. He sexualized women around me. I felt very sexualized mm-hmm. around my father. Mm-hmm. I felt like I spent a lot of my time just trying to uh, be an asexual being, uh, until I turned 18. Um, or, you know, I'd have to sneak out of the house and like 
mm-hmm. put myself in dangerous situations just trying to, you know, get attention from men that weren't my dad. Um, yeah. That's a huge part of, like, why sex education matters to me is, like, to this day, it's a difficult... It, I, I struggle to relate to my body, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm still learning myself. I think mm-hmm. we all always are learning, but... It's important to say when you're a sex educator, you know? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Always, always learning. All right. We're going to take a short break right here. I want to share with you all a little bit of like my past reproductive experiences in terms of birth control. Uh, I know on here I've talked about birth control in the past. I've talked about emergency contraception and we talk a lot about sex. Uh, And for those of you who are very dedicated listeners, uh, you might remember that I was on the pill from 15 to 21 and stopped at 21 and I'm now 27. So I've been off of it for several years and I've tried something new that is actually incredibly helpful. It feels incredibly efficient and is very informative. I'm not sure if y'all have heard of them. Uh, They're called Natural Cycles and I'm very excited that uh, they're sponsoring this right now. So one of the things I was super, super absolutely excited and surprised and just amazed by and excited about was that Natural Cycles is the first and only FDA cleared birth control app. And when I first stopped taking birth control, I would like track it. And so I would use these other birth control apps that like didn't really tell me anything. (laughs) Um, It just kind of estimated, but like Natural Cycles is very, very different from that. <laughs> um, so there's only certain dates of the month that you're fertile and that you can get pregnant. So uh, the app is powered by an algorithm that is able to identify your daily fertility based on your basal body temperature. So essentially you take your temperature every morning, um, it measures it, you log it in there. And then uh, natural cycles will give you a red or green day depending on if you're fertile and can or can't get pregnant. Um, And this actually also changes based on if you are seeking to get pregnant, if you are trying to not get pregnant, or if you want to just track your pregnancy in general. But you can also track your your moods, your cervical mucus, um, like how juicy you are. You can track your sex drive uh, all right from within the app. Um, And there's like a key link between fertility and body temperature that I wasn't super aware of. So like all these other other apps that I was using definitely weren't as efficient because it was just kind of taking it based off of what what I would log. Um, but with natural cycles, it actually connects that. Um, and there's a noticeable rise in body temperature, uh, right after ovulation happens in the menstrual cycle. So definitely, definitely pretty freaking effective (laughs) y'all. Uh, when using a birth control method, it's important to understand how effective it is. Right. And there's no birth control method that's a hundred percent effective, but when used perfectly, natural cycles is 98% effective. Perfect means not having unprotected sex, uh, on red days. Um, and natural cycles is 93% effective with typical use, which accounts for all possible reasons. Uh, but, 
I've really, I'm so excited to have found them and I'm super, super pumped to partner with them and um, have them as a sponsor here on the podcast. Again, it's very important to remember that there are many options for contraception on the market and everyone is going to have different needs. Um, Therefore, you got to remember that you got a choice in this and how you want to go about your own birth control method, your preventative measures, you know, that's all up to you. So... There's no one size fits all, but I will definitely highly, highly recommend Natural Cycles. Uh, Users must be over the age of 18. And a reminder, it does not protect against STIs. Only barrier methods such as condoms prevent STIs. So this has been fantastically, super happily sponsored by Natural Cycles, y'all. Can we get some snaps? I'm very excited about this. Uh, So I hope that y'all check them out. You can use my code Taylor at naturalcycles.com or check out the link below to get 20% off your annual Natural Cycles subscription and a free thermometer. So the link uh, for this will be listed in the episode notes. So be sure to check it out. Again, that's Taylor, the code Taylor at naturalcycles.com for 20% off your annual Natural Cycles subscription and free thermometer. Let's get it going. Let's start taking them temps. We know most of us are taking our temperature these days anyway, at least maybe maybe just me. I'm a hypochondriac, but <laughs> this has been super helpful and I've loved, loved, loved using them and I really, really encourage y'all to give them a try. So with all of this said, we can now get right back onto the show. Um, I appreciate your vulnerability and sharing this about your family life experience and how that impacted your relationship with your body and your sexuality. And if you're comfortable, I'm wondering course, yeah. if, if you'd be able to kind of expand a little bit for people to maybe better understand what kinds of behaviors or almost like red flags they would see from other people, whether it's family members or friends of how they're being inappropriately sexualized at Uh, a young age. I think I love the way you phrase that too, because I think we think of uh, child abuse or incest as being like an explicit sex act that is very blatantly Mm -hmm. going down. I, my therapist put a name to it, which helped me understand it a lot better. For me, it Mm -hmm. was something called covert incest or covert Mm -hmm. sexual uh, abuse, which is primarily emotional, but Mm -hmm. there can also be physical aspects. Whether, I mean, it's it's hard because also like, I don't have memory from childhood really. Mm -hmm. Um, But you remember how you felt. Of course. And a common word that people with this experience will use is like, I just felt icky around them. So Mm -hmm. it's that icky feeling. It's that like, I don't want to sit next to you on the couch. I don't Mm -hmm. want to like, you know, do anything that would make you see me in any sexual light, even if it's just like you know, I have pubic hair now and I don't want to be in the house naked. Just like every step of development is challenge. Mm -hmm. And, um, I didn't even have the ability to think about it until my dad died. And I've got to say, it's much easier to process trauma from a person or a parent if once they have passed on, because you are, not having, I mean, for better or worse, you are not able to have an active conversation with them about it. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes you can directly address 
a parent. I certainly tried to as I was, you know, finally an adult and, and able to ask my dad things to kind of shed light on my own experience. But um, mm-hmm. for, for me, it really just was the lesson that love is equated with abuse. And I sought out abusive mm-hmm. relationships my entire life up until a few years ago. And even to this yeah. day, I have to catch myself being like, are you just attracted to this person? Cause they're trying to fuck your brain up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <I> love- <laughs> how fun. This is love. <laughs> Yeah, how many times I had broken up with a guy who was just genuinely sweet to me because I was just like, this is boring and I'm not turned on anymore. Um, So many sweet people that I just ran away from because they were Mm -hmm. not taking me on that roller coaster ride. (laughs) Yeah, well, and you don't know how to accept it. And that was something like with my current partner that I shared a lot, like throughout our year of dating each other, where in the beginning I was like, but you're so nice. I know. I was like, oh my God. I was like, am I going to be bored with you? Mm -hmm. Am I like, how do we not have like more of this intense, like back and forth where like you're gaslighting me and I'm like defending myself and it's like a whole rush and a high and it's like, but you're just so nice. Like, how do I even deal with that? And of like really sitting with it and asking myself and reminding myself, do I think I'm worthy of this? I am worthy of this. Like Mm. this is... This is healthy to have a partner that's nice, to not have to sit there and like question your worth in a relationship. Yeah. I think you're touching on something really important, which is like in an abusive relationship, that person is constantly putting you down, but in an abusive relationship, Mm -hmm. they're the only person who can make it better. So you're constantly like, like no matter what anybody else says, even if you do have a support system, which like in my Mm -hmm. abusive relationships, I had no, I stopped talking to friends, you know, that's a, that's a big red flag. If you're isolating yourself, um, even if your partner's not telling you to, if you just start spending all your time with this person in a negative way, um, really important to have friends and family members you can talk to if you need to. Um, but yeah, just like this scarcity of, of, of people you can talk to and only your Mm -hmm. abusive partner can make it better. That's a really hard feeling to wake up to because in that cycle, you are just used to blaming yourself. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes, I mean, I was in relationships where my tears were like, my partner would say, you crying, you're abusing me by crying. And I, I took that pretty seriously. And I was just like, oh, wow, like I'm being too emotional and I shouldn't cry because I'm traumatizing them. And it's like, yeah, you know that's called that's called gaslighting and manipulation. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes, that is exactly what that is. And you're totally right that it is this feeling of like you're being abused and being told essentially that you're the problem right. and that you have to fix everything. Like everything I did in past relationships was a problem. Yeah. Even just to you know my boundaries were problems. Me wanting to mm. like lock all the locks on my door right. was a problem, and I needed to look inward and reflect on that. And yet they were the only ones to be able to make that better and to like almost like you're a hamster in a wheel of just like, okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Like, is this better? Is this better? Is this fast enough? Like, you know, is, all right, let me work and change this way and change that way. And I think this conversation is so important because like when you find yourself in these positions, that's the person that you're being sexually intimate with. Yeah, That's the person that 
is abusing you emotionally and verbally and sometimes also physically that you, because of a lack of true sex education, Mm -hmm. which includes relationship education, education on what a healthy relationship looks like, you now are also putting yourself like at a whole other area of risk with being sexually intimate with this person and how that like impacts you emotionally and mentally when you're sexually vulnerable with someone like that is like oh my gosh it's a whole other space yeah Yeah, I mean I don't think that it directly led to me entering a sexuality space and there is certainly this stereotype that like oh you must have been abused if you found yourself in a sex space um, which comes from a really negative stigma Mm. but for me it did give me the ability to really tap into whatever someone was presenting to me even if it was not a issue that was familiar to me on a personal level it gave me the i mean i consider myself a hypersensitive person in a lot of ways but it mm-hmm. it allows you to relate to people whatever they're going through, it's very easy for me to recall what that felt like, even if that's not what's true for me today. So mm-hmm. I'm not certified in anything. I consider myself like a peer educator for that reason. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, sometimes you just need someone with a good bedside manner and I don't want to toot my own horn, mm-hmm. but I, I think that a lifetime of feeling like I had to dance around this abusive father figure really um, made me live my entire life inside my head, uh, Mm -hmm. in a way that just was this forced emotional awareness, because if you aren't aware of those emotions, you're at risk for that person unleashing abuse on you. So you have to be hyper vigilant in a situation like that. And obviously Mm -hmm. like we're, we're clearly talking about really dark aspects of sex, but, um, for a lot of us, we can't enjoy the pleasurable aspects of intimacy until we work through that and like we're going through a lot of global trauma right now in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and a lot of arenas and they all intersect with each other um and and i think we're all going through it all the questions i'm getting asked right now are primarily Mm -hmm. regarding like some type of healing from from yeah whether it's from a person or just messages that we tell ourselves that harm ourselves I think that mm-hmm. we have to do a lot of unlearning in order to learn. Always. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the beauty of getting older too. Like there is such a fetishization of being a young sexual being and like, you know, I'm mm-hmm. 28. Don't get me wrong. I am certainly not speaking, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have so much life ahead of me, but it really does make me look forward to, you know, being that. 70 year olds, 80 year old, however long I hope I live that is mm-hmm. not having to unpack these things decades from now. And I can try to face them right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I want to take a short break right here to have a friendly reminder on prioritizing your mental health. Okay. Okay. 
I know the world feels a little, a lot out of our control right now that who knows even what's going on in your personal life, that there's nothing wrong whatsoever with wanting or needing a little bit of extra support or help. So I want to really encourage all of you to take advantage of this amazing sponsor of the podcast, BetterHelp. They are online professional counseling services. This is not... um, self-help. This is not a crisis line. It is legitimate, actual, professional online therapy with licensed professional counselors. It is super convenient. It's professional. It's affordable. They also offer financial aid. I will tell you that is like one of the biggest uh, things with therapy is finding therapy that's affordable. So they definitely... They definitely make a solid effort to make sure that it can be affordable for folks. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash talk about it. You can join over a million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash talk about it. So... Don't just talk about it with your friends or your family. You can also talk about it with a mental health professional. And with all of this, uh, I hope that y'all take this to heart and remember this, this moment here to check in with yourselves and see how you're really doing. So deep breaths. And now we can get back to the show. Well, and I know you mentioned therapy earlier on, um, and I'm mm-hmm. assuming that that was a part of your your own personal healing process. And I'm wondering if there's anything that you want to speak on in terms of your own personal sexual healing, um, yeah. given that that's a question you're getting a lot these days of like, how do we sexually heal ourselves? Um, <laughs> would love to hear from you <laughs> of just kind of what that process has looked like for you, understanding that it's also going to be an ongoing, oh, sure. you know, lifelong. Yeah. <laughs> Um, experience, I imagine. Yeah. I started going to therapy in middle school. I had OCD and uh, I never really had to, as an adult, hop on the therapy train because it was just like a given for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Medication was another situation though. I was very resistant to medication and of Mm -hmm. course, you know, went on and off and back on again a million times. And that's just going to be a part of my life forever. So you know, that's different Mm -hmm. for everybody, but certainly integral in my healing. I would say Mm -hmm. the biggest thing that helped me is journaling. And it's such a, you know, straightforward answer. But for me, the, I, I, I never want to journal. I never want to open up my journal and journal. Um, it started as a dream journal where I would write down the nightmares I was having and I was able Mm -hmm. to pick up on the themes that gave me insight to my own unconscious and, you know, some stuff from childhood. Um, but then beyond a dream journal, um, just writing about everything that was emotionally swirling in my head, it's really hard to be objective with ourselves and a good therapist. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think all therapists are good. There are so many therapists that are, you know, humans and just going to bring their own bias to the therapy session. Um, but once you find it, yeah, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) 
I was going to say, like you said, how there's a stigma of people who are in the sex space of like healing their own sexual traumas, like same in the mental health space. I mean, a lot of, I remember even being in school and like people in class asking such specifically personal questions that Mm -hmm. I was like, sounds like you got some stuff to figure out here. And like, maybe we should be focusing and spending some time in therapy and not using our professor as our therapist. But I think there's also that stigma in, in the mental health space and- you're right. There are a lot of therapists that unfortunately don't keep up on their continuing education, that don't continue supervision, that don't continue with consultation. And yeah. without doing those things, they, uh, I know, you know, not intentionally. I mean, actually, I guess it would be intentionally <laughs> if they're not actually keeping up with their own shit, but, you know, can cause harm in a lot of ways. So that's just, just touching on that. No, piece, yeah. totally. And there's so many different types of therapy. They don't all work for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. I have a therapist who really is just observing the general themes and, and trying to be an objective person who can notice, um, you know, it's not that like I'm lying down on a chase lounge and having somebody, you know, not looking at me, writing notes on me. It's, it's a lot yeah. more personal. And obviously I live a bit of an unusual lifestyle, especially in the Midwest and, mm-hmm. uh, finding a therapist who I don't have to explain myself to obviously very important. Yeah. Um, definitely, but yeah, it, it, and when you don't have a therapist, a journal, I think is a really close way of getting objective insight into what's going on in your brain because I, you look at what was bothering you a week ago and, uh, you know, you can either see themes or see how it's constantly changing. For me, it was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm picking a different subject to freak out about because I'm trying to distract myself from the larger, deeper issue. So instead I'm yeah. worrying about all the laundry, worrying about money stuff instead of like what is like really breaking my heart deep down. Um, Mm -hmm. not that those things can also be fucking stressful and traumatizing in their own way. Capitalism, Mm -hmm. um, patriarchy. Well, yeah, I mean, and I think how I've really been trying to educate myself on politics as a person who absolutely never reads the news as Mm. far as the way that like we are living in a world where there's you're not encouraged to take time for yourself you're just supposed to work yourself into the ground that is seen as an admirable trait in western culture mm-hmm. you know yeah stress economy of new york city definitely implanted a lesson in me and uh oh, yeah. now i use my work to be like a like a coping mechanism literally like i'm like well i feel terrible mm-hmm. let me just go distract myself with work which like makes me appear to be a very functional human. I am highly functional. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that there's something entirely different not going on inside of me, Mm -hmm. as I'm sure you know. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I think too, you know, it's unfortunately, it's like a, it's a pretty fucked up cycle uh, because it's like, oh, we're so busy and then we don't necessarily get to like live our life. But then when we go to live our life, we feel so uncomfortable in that because we've just been so busy. And then all these things that have gone unchecked come up for us. And then we say, oh, well, actually, let me distract myself, like you said, and just work a little bit more. And then you're frustrated again that, oh, I like don't have a life. And, you know, oh, but I'm being societally uh, or I'm being um, reinforced by society that me being functional and productive like this is a positive trait and I'm going to be desirable and I'm going to be successful. And yeah. it, 
And then it's like you go to do things like have sex, but you're so stressed out because you have all these other things on your mind. And it's like, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how how do we sit with ourselves? Um, it's so difficult. And today we have all the distractions in the world. I have my phone just sitting here blankly waiting to distract mm-hmm. me the second we get off this call. Yeah. My entire identity is being monetized by all these algorithms <laughs> that I, you know, opted into but didn't, mm-hmm. you know, I think all of us way before COVID and, you know, just like all the eternity long um, social justice issues that make our lives such hell. Like we have this new issue of the screen really monopolizing Mm -hmm. our time. And I think like way before COVID, we were all really struggling with uh, what social media does for our sexuality. I mean... I I think a really great read that I recommend to everybody is How to Do Nothing. I want to, I think the author is Jenny Jenny O'Dell, that's her name. Um, And it's a book about not actually doing nothing, but um, Mm -hmm. all the ways we distract ourselves from, you know, just awareness and noticing without getting too woo-woo. I love self-help books, but find that a lot of them get a little too like fake spirituality for me. Yeah. So I like the Mm -hmm. ones that can really practically speak to, yeah, what does the algorithm do to our brain and our body image, not just sex, but like Mm -hmm. how we see ourselves. And I really wonder how, you know, not even Gen Z, but, you know, the generations after that are going to be relating to their own bodies because of our primary connections now being mm-hmm. throughout yeah. through monetized social media. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I recently watched social dilemma and yeah, oh, it's a, a, a classic, a painful classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep, it's a it's a whole thing. Um, I feel like we could definitely have a whole episode here on how social media impacts our body image and our sex lives yeah. and our sexuality. Um, one of the things that I think, in a way, I mean, as we talk about this, like screen time and whatnot, and then like I have your book right in front of me. It's like, yeah, I'm really thankful that people <laughs> are still writing books. That things are not just ebooks, right. like even like Kindles and stuff. I'm like, I don't really want to like read on a screen. Like I, I want to have like a book book. I know. I feel the same way. I'm like, it defeats the purpose of trying to read a book if I'm doing it on a screen. Um, and it's so yeah. funny that what also is, uh, you know, a huge benefit of the internet is we can edit it. It's really there's a very short turnaround time from when we're done writing something versus when it's published. It can even be instantaneous. A book has at least a year between when it's done writing and coming to market. And even my book, you can tell was written before COVID because there is an entire page Mm -hmm. that's like, you know, spend less time online, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. I would have certainly approached in a different way, knowing how the world is going, you know? Um, but I think that still holds true. It's like being on a a Mm -hmm. private signal chat or a zoom call is vastly different than just 
seeing what is up in the lives of your friends on Facebook. Um, having direct yeah. lines of communication are still so much more important mm-hmm. than, again, the things that are monetized. But uh, that was a huge thing that stressed me out with my book is just knowing that no matter how many finishing touches I put on it, that there would not only be, you know, little things I wanted to change, but like things that would just be straight up out yeah. of date by the time it came to market. Mm-hmm. So yeah. a benefit of the book though, is you, you know, you can mark it up, you can put it at your bedside, you can pick it up and mm-hmm. put it down in such a different way. And, you know, the mm-hmm. book is half art book, half book book. You Mm-hmm. And- yeah, I was going to say with, with your finishing touches, I'm like, there, it looks fantastic. Thank <laughs> like you. the artwork, especially it's so beautiful. It is all so well done. Like so much thought was put into this and I'm like, it's absolutely fantastic. I so- really, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be possible without my friend Elizabeth Renstrom who did the photography. We've just been friends for mm-hmm. 10 years now. Working yeah. with her is a breeze. She knows my style. I love hers. I think she's really great at making difficult to digest subjects. I don't want to say whimsical because that sounds like it glosses over the deeper Hmm. aspects of it, but she really just knows how to bring, breathe life into some subjects that can feel pretty tired or, you know, illustrated Mm -hmm. the same way over and over again. Um, she's the photo editor, editor at the New York, uh, Ooh, New Yorker. I was going to say New York mm-hmm. Times. New Yorker. Mm-hmm. And she also is the friend of mine who got me all my writing gigs at Refinery29 and Vice, you know, mm-hmm. all these media outlets that are like not what they were five years ago, but really yeah. are what got me my foot in the door in the world of mm-hmm. journalism. Um, so, you know, she she isn't even a sex industry friend. It was really just like, coincidentally having a friend who had the connections for uh, helping me develop my journalism and writing skills. Uh, Yeah. So it's a, it's a book of friendship too. Like (laughs) that's beautiful. Well, there's so many things that are covered in here that I was just like, as I went through it, I was like just snapping my fingers like, yes, please. Like, Mm. and I did appreciate too, that like, while some of these topics, you know, that you touch on in the beginning here, like sex is more than penetration, virginity as a concept, solo sex, pubic hair, not being unhygienic, um, all these things could be, you know, like essentially full out chapters, yes. right? Or a whole book on their own. I wish I could I write like- a chapter on every subject, <laughs> but the format, yes, is yes. it's public. I mean, they wanted the, the words we used internally were public service announcements. Like, okay, you, yeah. you've got a 30 minute uh, spot on. Uh, if you had 30 mm-hmm. seconds to say the most important thing about this one thing, what would it be? Yeah. Um, so it definitely mm-hmm. covers a wider variety of subjects without you know, for better or worse, get going too in depth. Uh, but I do hope to one day write something longer form and there are Mm -hmm. resources in the back for other, other resources that I recommend on, on further reading. But, um, yeah, no, it makes it super easily digestible. Like, very, very digestible (laughs) and to the point, which I very much appreciated. As a writer, I really don't do very much reading. I mean, I certainly read books, but it's very Mm -hmm. rare that I find a book that I just, you know, 
actually finish in a timely manner. In fact, my mm-hmm. favorite books I will intentionally stop reading so I can pick them up again yeah. like a few months from then to really savor. And mm-hmm. I think with sexuality, especially if all these subjects are relatively new to you, it's really intimidating to just dive into a book about sex and actually absorb it all. So I kind of wanted yeah. it to be a thing where it's like, even if it just falls open to a random page, you can mm-hmm. um, not feel overwhelmed. Um, and for that reason, yeah. I think like some some reviews have said it's more of like a, a 101 book, which like I'm happy to mm-hmm. have it be that. But I think it's so funny how what is 101 to somebody is also a completely like like there are people who have been having sex yeah. their entire lives and have and still need the lube talk and that is yes. not a 101 subject to them um yeah so well and the yeah. whole point too is that it's sex education you didn't get in school right so we may be like having these lived experiences but like not actually have a more practical understanding as to how we can go about some of these things. I mean, there's a whole section on like anal and like even reading through some of that, I was like, yeah, that actually is like a good reminder and that is helpful. (laughs) Um, And a lot, you know, there's like, uh, we talked about the artwork a little bit and you've got some dildos on there and you also have your Spectrum Boutique uh, sex shop online as well. Um, and you call yourself the Dildo Duchess, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is in your Instagram bio, which I love. Um, it just, and, you know, it rolls off the tongue, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and I think like there's even, I talk about this with my manager where I'm like, we talk about vibrators and then whenever I use the word dildo, she's like, I don't know, like that word dildo. Like I think people have such a discomfort with the word dildo. Um, (laughs) And so I'm one, like I really honestly think that they do because vibrators, Mm -hmm. it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's a vibrator, you know, it's it's a massager. But dildo is like people literally picture, you know, like a fake penis dildo and just like going to town. Um, so wondering if, if you want to talk at all about some of the differences with dildos and vibrators (laughs) and like why a dildo duchess? Um, I mean, it really was just like something that made me giggle and I, I, you know, just was having fun with giving myself that title. Anybody can yes. be a dildo duchess. You don't have to use dildos to be a dildo duchess. You just love a dildo. Um, but you're totally right that there is a lot of different uh, assumptions made with these different words. I actually more so hear people use the word dildo to refer to any type of sex toy, even if it's a vibrator. Um, I think it's just like for someone who hasn't, researched every genre of sex toy dildo is just like the term that comes to mind. Um, Mm. So there are vibrating dildos and vibrators that can be used in a dildo like manner. But I would say Mm -hmm. the major difference is that a dildo is for internal stimulation and used in an in and out motion, whereas a plug yeah. goes in and stays in, maybe a little bit of jiggling, mm-hmm. but it's not in and out. A vibrator mm-hmm. has the primary function of vibration, but it may also be able to be used in and out. Uh, but I mm-hmm. would say more so a vibrator might have like a built-in motor, whereas like a vibrating dildo has like a removable bullet. But, the, you know, listen, I sell thousands of sex toys 
and yeah. there are certainly things where I'm like, is it a vibrator? Is it a dildo? It's both. I don't know. You like you choose. Um, certainly, yeah. You know, it's, you're like it's a sex toy. There you go. Um, but I also think that the reason people immediately think dildo is because you know you mentioned the tip already. Like sex is more than penetration. We still define sex mm-hmm. as penetration. Ask anyone yeah. the classic definition of losing your virginity, and we start to pick oh, apart. Yeah. You know traditionally people think, oh, it's a penis going in a vagina. So then you have a bunch Mm -hmm. of, you know, people trying to find loopholes. It's like, oh, let's have anal sex. Let's have oral sex. And it's like, you know, all all the loopholes (laughs) we try to find to, you know, even if you're not in a religious Mm -hmm. household, you know, like, you know, Mm -hmm. this idea of purity really sticks with all of us, I think, because of the fact that, religion is just seeping through every aspect of our world. Um, so I think that dildos are like a more accessible sex toy to somebody who has never really thought about sex outside of penetration. So the first sex toy I ever bought was a toxic jelly dong, you know, and, Mm. uh, it was girthy. I knew I wanted a girthy toy, (laughs) but I was just like, ow, how do I, yeah. ouch, no lube, no vibrator. Oh. Like so yeah. many people hate dildos or find dildos uncomfortable because they are doing absolutely no external stimulation. Um, mm. That's not to say that there aren't some people who really hate external stimulation, but statistically most of us use external or external paired with internal stimulation to orgasm, yeah. regardless of your genitals, really. Um mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think the dildo is the heteronormative idea of what a kosher sex toy is because when you start adding vibration in, it's like, oh, well, I, you know, I can't do that. What if I get replaced? And, like, you see people Mm -hmm. talking about that with dildos too, but I I think people are able to be like, well, it's still things going in holes, you know. I, I, I don't know. Obviously, everyone has their own, like messed up notion of of, of sex mm-hmm. before we like I mean I again I this is not to yeah. shame anybody because this is literally what I thought um yeah oh yeah and, and the fact that they <laughs> people think they got to look like a penis when in fact the most penisy yeah. looking ones are the ones that are the least popular at my shop at least mm-hmm. so I think that's pretty interesting yeah well so uh, I wanted to talk about your shop because yeah. I do love it and it's so beautiful and fantastic all around. Thank you. Your site was the first time that I saw like a <laughs> oh, what? It was like a cucumber dildo. Oh yeah. I mean, you could always use a real cucumber, but like sometimes you want one in silica. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because someone, okay. I, the first time we, we have these vegetable shaped yeah, dildos that are, carrots. they're pretty realistic looking. So I think I made a post just like, take your vitamins anally or like some, <laughs> like I was just trying to be funny. And I got yeah. a very serious comment reply that was like, please do not tell, like, this is not how that actually works. You cannot get vitamins out of a dildo. And I was just like, I'm so sorry that that it's wasn't clear. It was a joke. Okay. I'm sorry. You don't understand comedy. Um, 
Yeah, no, I like I showed your website to my parents uh, because oh, I yay. forget what we were talking about, but I was like, yeah, look, like they're vegetables, and like there's all these like glass dildos, and I've never oh, had like, a glass dildo, but do you have one near and you? I, I thought I did. I only have the WeVibe Nova Nova nearby, which is unusual yeah. because usually there's just like a harem of sex toys around me at any moment in my house. Yes, but. yes, <laughs> love the Nova. Um, I think I don't remember when this episode is coming out. I think actually only a week away from when we're recording it now, mm-hmm. but soon uh, I'll be sharing the Nova 2 again because they're going to be Ooh. doing a sale on it and it's like rare that WeVibe has any kind of discount. Is, so yes. that will be exciting. It is the season for a discount. Yes. <laughs> Got to swipe up all the discounts you can. There you um, go. But I did love, I was like, I have always wanted a glass dildo and I've heard so many good things about them. Like that it just, I mean, they're super easy to clean. Um, yeah. It carry like it has a different like weight inside mm-hmm. of you. Um, but I wanted to hear from you if there is a favorite toy or like a group of favorite toys or maybe your top three favorite sure, toys yeah. that you love to use. No, you're totally right. Like my top three favorite toys. Oh, but before that, I would definitely want to speak to what you're saying about like glass because mm-hmm. people are like glass. What if that breaks off in me or like stainless steel? That looks dangerous. Um, I totally get that. It's not always the most inviting first type of toy. <laughs> However, I think that, uh, I mean, the more you use sex toys, the more you understand the like nuance in the tiniest yeah textures really. But, mm-hmm. um, I do find not that this is like, should be our goal. I require less lube when I'm using those, those toys with a sleeker surface, or it's just like gets this temperature retention that I really love. Um, and you know, like use lube in copious amounts. It's more just like there are some times where you want the sensation of silicone really like catching against your tissue. And sometimes you want it to be a little bit more slippery. Um, Mm -hmm. Every material has a world of pleasure in it. Uh, But uh, most popular, I mean, my favorite things are very different from what is the favorite stuff at the shop. There's a little bit of overlap. My, My unique taste is that like I love giant sex toys. I guess that's part of where Dildo Duchess comes from because the dildos I use usually elicit responses of just like, oh my God, who would use such a thing? And I'm like, well, no, it used to happen all the time when I would like be selling sex toys in a store and people mm-hmm. would be like disgusted, like, oh my goodness. And I'm just like, oh, yep, mm. that's my favorite toy. And people would be like, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, cause like, I, I don't know, like as as if there's like you'd be able to tell what kind of a person uses a big dildo. I don't know. Yeah. It has no reflection yeah. on who you are, your identity. Anyway. <laughs> um <laughs> so big dildos aside, those are not a, a most popular thing at the shop for sure, more of a specialty item. Uh I think one of the most exciting types of toys that have come into the market in the last Mm, four or five years are the air pressure stimulator toys. Um, yeah. The most common names being like, you know, the womanizer, which has the worst mm-hmm. name yet is so popular. Um, Seriously. I'm like, <laughs> I feel so resistant to have it just because of that. I'm like, I use the melt by WeVibe. Yeah. That one I love, yeah. but I'm like, it's kind of similar, I think, to what womanizer oh, would be. But I'm like, I can't. Yeah. 
I can't with this name. Yeah. I and everyone everyone has its own special motor, so they do feel a little different. It's so funny. Um mm-hmm. in Adrian Marie Brown's Pleasure Activism, which came out in the last year, there's um a very short poem where it's like a conversation uh being had with the womanizer, and like the very first thing she writes is like yeah, you've got a terrible name, but you feel so good. And like, it's just like a funny (laughs) conversation with the sex toy. Highly recommend that book as well, as well as everything by Adrienne Marie Brown. Um, So I also really like the Sona by Lalo, which, you know, Lalo has, Mm -hmm. you know, it's got, it's, pluses and minuses, but it does have a very intense suction to it. And I did Mm -hmm. not have any, I like, I didn't think I liked that genre of toy, but it just turns out I had to like try different models until it was like really like, oh yes, this is the one I love. Um, yeah. So Sona is very popular. That tends to be the top selling one. That's like an air pressure stimulator. Our top dildo is the Gillette, which is this like polka dot. It's a clear dildo made of silicone with um, like puffball mm-hmm. polka dots inside of it. So, like funfetti. Yeah. So, yeah. definitely part of the appeal are the colors, but it mm-hmm. also is a dildo that is molded after the internal landscape of the vaginal canal. So, like, you know, uh, it billows out like it's like there it like a it dips down where the pubic bone goes and kind of billows out and then like shortens down where it, towards the back like when you're getting closer to the cervix um so it's kind of like the opposite of having a penis shaped dildo it's like a dildo that's meant to fill every crevice of the vaginal canal um and that is our best selling dildo at the moment um can you say the name of that one again? The Jolette. It's J O L L E T. I'm distracted now because now <laughs> no, I'm just scrolling through the website. I'm like, where is it? Where is it? It, it? it is a little bit of a girthy toy. I'd say that's like the only drawback. It's like a hair on the larger side, but um, yeah, you know. <laughs> If, hmm. if that's your thing, it's pretty popular. And I think some people just get it because it's so darn cute. Oh, and yeah. then finally, like, I'm going to have to go with, I mean, it's a top, I mean, I could, I could just go on endlessly because I wouldn't be an orgasmic person if it weren't for like the magic wand and other wand mm-hmm. massagers. That is really my bread and butter. And since then I've been mm-hmm. able to use more gentle vibration, but like, I didn't have Mm. an orgasm until I was 19 and I just needed to fucking vibrate the shit out of my clit. And then from there I was able to be like, ah, I know this feeling. Um, And that's not to say like if, you know, you want to use your vibrator on the highest speed every time. I think that Mm -hmm. there's a lot of vibrator shame around trying to like wean yourself off of vibration. So you don't get addicted to it and then you can't orgasm other ways. Like just variation. I mean, that is the only truth to that is the mental aspect and like the relative perception of sensation. Like, yes, if you try to delicately use your hand right after using a magic wand on the highest speed is going to feel a little different. Mm -hmm. There is no permanent change happening to your body. I promise you. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Yep. Yep. Well, so I... I want to share an experience that I just had 
And it was the first time this has ever happened to me because, like, you're talking about orgasms. And not that it was an orgasm the first time. Um, but, like, when I use my... Okay. I'm like, how the fuck do I do this? <laughs> no, I love it. I so, love a, a good tidbit that needs... You need to back up to... Yeah, I the feel like there's a ton good. of tidbits I can add to this story. So, okay. You know when you're watching porn or you see in porn? Oh, yes. When, like, she's got her legs up. And they have their legs up, whoever, yeah, someone with a yeah, clip. Someone. <laughs> um, and they're like, just like fucking DJing it up. And they're just like, oh, yeah. And Diddling. then you just, see, yeah, they're like really going out their clit. And then you just see them like gush and they mm-hmm. just come everywhere. And it's like, just from them DJing up their clit like this, they're literally <laughs> squirting out everywhere. And I was like, I would always see that and be like, there's no fucking way. I'm like, what the fuck was she doing before this? Or with the wand even, I've seen that. Where, like, they're just vibrating the wand and then they're gushing out everywhere. And I'm always like, "Mm." (laughs) okay, probably, like, because they work in this industry. Like, they've figured out something else. And, like, this is, you know, what they do to, like, perform. Mm -hmm. And, like, last week, I like, with my partner, we had been doing a bunch of other things. And then... He was like DJing it up. And <laughs> I usually, like at a certain point, you know, even like with my, um, with the like suction toys on my clit, it'll reach a point where like I kind of stop because I'm kind right. of like, oh, like that's a lot. And yeah, he yeah. was like, he was like, keep your legs open. Cause I was starting to like kind of close them. I was like, okay, listen to you. And hot. <laughs> then I like fucking gushed out Fuck everywhere. Yeah. And it was like, I mean, if, if he fingers me, I will squirt a lot. Um, but that was the first time ever from like just DJing it up right. lot, that I like <laughs> gushed out everywhere. And I was like, okay, wait, is this how I like maybe should be holding the wand or my like air pulser things on my clit? Because I was like, I didn't think that that actually happened. <laughs> you're You're bringing up so many good points here, which is like the the very real fact that like yes some performers are performing ejaculation yeah. it is definitely movie magic sometimes Mind and blowing. there are a handful of ways you can perform that without doing it but like it is also very possible to ejaculate yeah. uh, to ejaculate <laughs> in mass quantities like that yeah. everyone's body is different mm-hmm. and it doesn't just vary body to body it has to do with uh, how hydrated you are, time of the True. month, like the sensation that's going on. Mm-hmm. But I also think you bring up the great point that like having a partner do something to you. And for mm-hmm. me, I like, I call that type of thing, like for me, I mean, like I'm not saying that this is what it was for you, but like, I like the idea of like forced stimulation uh, consensually, of course, but yeah. it's like, you are going to continue to carry me beyond where I would normally stop. And I am only continuing onwards with encouragement to get to this even more exciting point. That is totally a thing. That Uh, is so beautiful. And yes. And it's also, I think like a, like I trusted him. Like in the past people have been like, keep your legs open. And I've been like, no, 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 no. But with him, I was like, yes, I will. Okay. I trust you. Like, let's see what, what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, and 
And the basic approach to ejaculating uh, with a vulva is just like intense, rapid G-spot yeah. stimulation. So I completely like love that you're also bringing up, okay, how are they getting to this point with external alone? Yeah. Which is also the great reminder that everything's, you know, connected mm-hmm. and, you know, it might not be the same type of physical stimulation to get to this uh, fluid expulsion, but mm-hmm. I mean, that's why the G spot is like an area, and yeah. it's connected to the clit. It's, I mean, it's all connected. You can even mm-hmm. like vibrate your stomach and like get the deeper portions of the vaginal canal and uterus stimulated. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to say that that's like the most tried and true method, but like, yeah, everything yeah. touches each other, so yeah. you can totally get there. A, a, multitude of ways and like I can't I'm not one of those people who can like have their earlobe rubbed and I'm mm-hmm. orgasming but like yeah the nerves I've, in the body all kind of get processed in the same part of the brain and yeah the brain is the biggest sex organ you know oh yeah <laughs> well and I mean that it like sends blood rushing down to the clit there you and go the internal part of the clit as well and I have had that with my ears I have orgasm Ooh, from like making jealous. out with my ears not like sticking right. your tongue way yeah. in my ear not like a that's wet gross. Willy, no don't like that <laughs> um but definitely have orgasm from like ear and neck like intense making out and it was fantastic Ooh, um you're such a good very, storyteller very nice. i could listen to you like talk about your sex life forever taylor hell yeah yeah, and this is like only been my sex life like the last year with my current partner, which is oh, like well, yay, been great. so great, like actually, hands down, fantastic. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think even to like your whole experience with with the G spot, like, and actually for me, it was like that's the only way that I know how to come is if someone is fingering me and hitting my G spot. Um, up until last week when I like gushed everywhere yeah. from from just clitoral <laughs> DJing, it up, DJing it up. Yay. Um, but yeah, I'm wondering, I know we did talk about some toys uh, uh-huh. that do provide G-spot stimulation, but I'm curious if there is anyone specific that either you've heard from a lot of people or that you enjoy yourself for G-spot stimulation. Hands down the Enjoy Pure Wand, which is a... Imagine a circle, cut it in half. That is how curved the pure wand is. Hmm. Um, And there's a lot of toys. Any toy with a very dramatic curve will go right for the G-spot or prostate. But, you know, because the you have to get that upward pressure and you can totally do that with... Um, a toy with no curve, but mm-hmm. the curve just makes you not have to reach around for those angles. Yeah. It's certainly, it's a stainless steel toy. So it's again, not one of those ones that people look at and they're like, I know exactly how to use that. Mm-hmm. Definitely a learning curve, but yeah. it is so intense and it really gets you into the awareness of how you can kind of like scoop back beyond the G spot and bring that like if you're scooping behind and bringing it forward, you know, it, it's mimicking mm-hmm. that come hither yes. classic finger motion. That's yes. literally, I had Zach record. <laughs> 
the first, like, last year when we first started hooking up and I was, like, squirting everywhere and he fingered me, I was like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> you're making me come a lot. And I was talking to my girlfriends about it and I had him, like, record, like, a Snapchat, like, tutorial of how he fingers me <laughs> so that she could, so that some of my girlfriends oh. could, like, share with their partners of, like, how to be fingered and and how they Hell might yeah. like it that's um, real friendship if you ask me like oh super yeah we can't rely i mean it takes a village we all have to reinforce <laughs> each other's sexual learning but yes. like i think i think it's good to have friends that you can just like not be like oh is this inappropriate i mean certainly yeah. we all have boundaries don't cross mm-hmm. people's boundaries but like yeah trade those tips you yeah. know well he literally said he was like it's the like you do like a come hither motion <laughs> and Fuck and as yeah. you just said that i was like yep that's exactly what how he described it and that is kind of what it is um but the g-spot pure one that you're talking about i think that's like i've seen that what people use for like body sex demonstrations with like from betty dodson or whatever that she oh, uses definitely. To- yeah <laughs> to talk about with and yeah i feel like i have heard fantastic things about that and haven't ever tried it i think for i mean if we to, to, to intersect <laughs> yeah. um to, to intersect up this uh conversation i think yeah. also there's like a component here of ableism with some of these toys like i have i had scoliosis so i have poles in my back from my neck down to my butt Mm, and it like definitely hithers my ability to like penetrate and like uh slouch over to like get leverage to penetrate myself um and i think that's also why i have mainly steered away from using like penetrative toys solo for solo sex um but that makes sense yeah yeah it's i mean Especially when it comes to masturbation, I feel like I'm constantly fine-tuning my approach. And yeah, like there are some classic positions that you see in in porn, of course, but like everyone's going to get off differently. Some people are on all fours, you know, some people are on their side or sitting on a toy or suction cupping Mm -hmm. it to a wall. Yeah, I was Uh, told I should use a suction cup one. (laughs) Yeah, that does help. I mean, that way you aren't controlling the toy. You're controlling your body on the toy. I mean, again, it just depends on everyone's uh, unique mobility, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and and what is comfortable. And sometimes it's even something as simple as the grip and how you grip a toy, Mm -hmm. um, the shape of it. Sometimes the tiniest little things can make a sex toy so much more a good fit for your body. And unfortunately, it's a little bit of trial and error because, you know, they're Mm -hmm. not exchangeable, but um, (laughs) it's people try, um, you know, but yes, for health and safety, non-exchangeable items. And that's really where the fun comes in. Even if you're identifying something that doesn't work for you, Mm -hmm. you're then at least narrowing down how you're going to feel something that does feel good for you. Yeah. I wish that like starting in like adolescent years, people would have just gifted me like dildos and vibrators so that I I could have actually started experimenting at an earlier age and also just becoming more informed on my pleasure and how I experience it. Like I think providing teenagers, you know, with sex toys in an appropriate way and a healthy way and a sex positive way can be so 
so beneficial, like long term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Very I mean, healthy. We live in a world where the same people who don't want you to get pregnant and have an abortion um, are also anti sex toy. I mean, the contradictions are endless. And, birth and I know. Yeah, I'm preaching to the choir here, but uh, it, it is yeah. funny how it's like, you know, sex toys are a great solution. So why aren't these more accessible? Ooh, you ever thought about that? <laughs> yep. um, yeah, they really are just like any other appliance, though. And that's not to say that, mm-hmm. you know, it isn't age appropriate at different times yeah. for everybody. But I definitely, uh, I have such a hard time with the idea that, you know, you must be 18 to buy a dildo because I was 14 yeah. and having anal sex. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think as adults, we really forget about that because, oh, that's inappropriate. But mm-hmm. we are so quick to forget how we were sexual you know, many yeah. of us from day one. Um, yes. And it's, again, all about uh, the age appropriateness and just having comfort and being able to ask instead of having information, mm-hmm. you know, shoved down your throat when you're not necessarily ready to hear it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, having a bunch of short conversations with a young person instead of one big, long mm-hmm. birds and bees talk. What does birds yeah. and bees even mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Well, and I hope, I mean, I'm glad even just you writing your book, Carnal Knowledge, like that does provide opportunities for folks to have longer term ongoing conversations on all of these topics and more. Uh, Because you're right. It is not just this one conversation. It is so many ongoing conversations that we have to have in order to unlearn, in order to learn all of Mm -hmm. these things about our sexual health and sexual pleasure and educating ourselves in this so that we are having healthy relationships so that we are having pleasurable, consensual, enthusiastic, uh, safe sex. So it's been absolutely amazing to have you on here and to finally be able to meet you. I know. Um, Thanks so much, Taylor. (laughs) This was wonderful. I really thank you for the space to talk about all the Mm -hmm. more sensitive subjects, but also the fun, pleasurable ones. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You're a wonderful interviewer. <laughs> oh, thanks. I try to try to try to just have it as like a conversation, but yeah. like also one that's informative, but yeah. that's also vulnerable. It's you know layers there. Uh, one of the things that we didn't get to talking about, but that you do talk about on your page, that I do want people to be aware of, and maybe as a conversation for sure. another time, maybe as a conversation for us on Instagram or. Uh, yeah. Patreon bonus or something. Um, But you do do a lot of like advocating for sex workers and talking about like the politics of sex workers. And you did mention also in this recording that you worked at a sex shop, which I didn't know. So um, would love for people to kind of check out more of the the work that you do, more of the things you talk about um, in addition to things like that. Um, Where can you share just a little bit of kind of where people can find you and buy your book and shop all these sex toys that we just talked about. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I didn't work at a, like a peep show type of sex toy store. It was just like a a sex toy store, sex toy store. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, sex workers rights have always been something very important to me. I think Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, even if you don't think, you know, a single sex worker, you probably do. And even so the, the treating sex workers right is really important for all of our health and safety. Um, 
I mean, Decriminalized Sex Work is a website I really love, but also Swap and Red uh, Umbrella Project. There's Endless, ooh, Thriving in Sex Work by Lola Davina, wonderful read. Um, But aside from that, uh, we'll have to just have another podcast episode Um, yes. You can find me at Thongria, which is T-H-O-N-G-R-I-A. Don't ask me where that name came from. It's just <laughs> fun and stuck around. It is fun. Um, <laughs> and uh, SpectrumBoutique.com is the shop. Shop Spectrum Boutique on Instagram is our you know, dildo party page. It's just all sex toys all the time. Um, And we also have a journal that you can find on the Spectrum Boutique website, but there's a lot of written articles there, some by me, but I also just mostly do the editing there. It's been lovely to wear more of an editorial hat. So I, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not just me talking about sex toys over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. and I also have my own podcast I do with my boyfriend. It's called Hot Brain. It's a lot more mm-hmm. conversational. If you really love hearing my voice, that's where you can find more of it. Um, yes. Thank you so much, though. I would love to like do this again sometime soon. Yes, I agree. Thank you. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right? And, and sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast. Um, and again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time. Hey guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, try giving my podcast, Miraculous Mamas, a listen. Miraculous Mamas is a safe and inclusive place for you to find a huge amount of educational and relatable information about childbirth and parenting with absolutely everything in between. Each week we discuss important topics, share great resources, hear from experts, and listen to birth stories, all in an effort to bring you reassuring and informative experiences so that you know that you are not alone. That's all on Miraculous Mamas podcast. Look for the podcast link in the show notes or simply search for Miraculous Mamas on your podcast app. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity.